Beloved saints, the grass withers and the flower fades, but this, the word of our God, abides forever. Let us give our attention to the reading of it. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So ends the reading of our God's word. Let us... Uh, ask his blessing on our time in it this morning. Your word, our God, is a lamp to our feet. It is our guide through the dark. It is wisdom and it's truth that we follow every day. Your word is sweeter than honey and yet sharper than swords. It is healing and it is justice and it is ours to obey. It is our understanding of your grace, your peace, and your love. And that is the reason we draw near to it. And so we ask that you would speak to us through it this morning, we pray. Amen. Uh, You may be seated. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. We know the song. Uh, We know the passage, we know the story. It's one of those great episodes in Jesus' earthly ministry for so many reasons. Uh, And and it closes a section in Luke's gospel that began with the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Uh, Each of the episodes that follows that parable has been driving the point of it home. Uh, the children that, that are brought to Jesus, the rich young ruler, uh, what Jesus tells us awaits him in Jerusalem. And then uh, that passage we saw last time with the blind beggar, uh, identified in, in Mark as Bartimaeus, they all illustrate what Jesus was getting at in that parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. They're all about how we approach God. Because really there are only two ways. We either trust in ourselves and our own righteousness or we cry out to Jesus for mercy. Those are the only two ways. And each of these, in one way or another, has been driving that point home. And today we come to the final episode, Zacchaeus. And it closes with that well-known statement that, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save what has been lost. And as with most well-known passages, 
it runs that, that danger of being safely familiar. When we know things well, we, we quote them, but we don't meditate on them. We don't pause and think about them. We don't think about their context, and we don't wrestle with what it means for us. Oh, we quote it to others. Don't you know Jesus came to seek and to save the lost? But if we're not careful, we go no deeper. And we're going to miss the comfort that is intended for each of us in our hardest hours, in our darkest shame. Because each of us, all of us, are meant to see ourselves in Zacchaeus. And his comfort is is meant to be our comfort. And his joy is meant to be our joy. This, This passage is meant to drive home this point. Jesus knows your shame and your feelings of unworthiness, and he seeks you out anyway. He knows your shame, your feelings of unworthiness, And he seeks you out anyway. That's what we're going to see as we look at this episode with Zacchaeus uh, this morning. Now, he was small. And size is a funny thing. It's so important to us. We admire those who are tall. Uh, And this is really why, why David, King David, was overlooked by first his family and then by, by Samuel. It's because David was short. The current king, Saul, he was known for what? Being a head and shoulders above everyone else. Tall. He was the kind of of leader that that invoked awe and respect. He made their enemies tremble. We, We love and we admire size. We respect it. It's important to us. And Zacchaeus didn't have it. And at best, that meant he was ignored. At worst, it meant he was mocked and ridiculed. Perhaps that's why he got into tax collecting. Tax collectors held a lot of power over their fellow citizens. Typically, they were Jews working for the Romans. And they could use intimidation and coercion to extort money out of their fellow citizens, their fellow Jews. And there was nothing uh, their neighbors could do about it. And Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. If tax collectors were hated and despised, the chief tax collector would have been most hated, most despised. They were the epitome of uh, scum Often identified with prostitutes and sinners, they were considered worse than Gentiles, worse than foreigners. In other words, he was a foreigner in his own land, an outcast, despised and hated by all his countrymen. But his name's interesting. The name Zacchaeus, it means righteous. And I'm sure he and everyone around him got the irony. Remember the the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee? Remember how the tax collector stood at a great distance, unable to lift up his eyes, filled with shame, unwilling to draw close? 
Zacchaeus would have been no different. We're told in verse 2 that he was wealthy. The funny thing about wealth when it's obtained through the expense of your neighbors, every time you spend it, it would have reminded you how you got it. Tainted goods. He had acquired a position of great wealth and power, but I'm sure he discovered, as all do, that it could never give peace and comfort the way he thought it would. It could never remove his shame. It could only increase it. And shame, shame's powerful. It can come for so many different reasons. Obviously, the most common is doing something we know is wrong, especially when we've been warned. It starts when we're young. Our our parents give us rules, and we don't like it. We want to do what we want to do, so we do. And then we feel terrible. We get angry. But really, we wonder... What's wrong with me? Why did I do that? And why do I keep doing that? Then we get older. And we just want to be accepted, a part of the crowd. And so we follow our friends down paths we know we shouldn't. We know better. But still, we we sacrifice our principles on the altar of acceptance. And we wonder, what's wrong with me? Am I broken? Is there any hope? And as we grow, so does our sin. Sexual promiscuity, pornography, abusing and mistreating others. Maybe in a moment of fear and desperation, choosing an abortion. And we wonder, if, what if people knew What if they could see below the surface of my curated image and they saw how broken I am? What would they think? Perhaps you're in the military and in a moment you decided to participate in something that now haunts your conscience. The cause you thought you served was a mirage. Reality is ugly and you live in fear that those who tell you they love you and they're grateful for your service would run and flee from you if they knew what you had really done. Or maybe you've been mistreated, taken advantage of, abused, or violated, and you feel defiled, used, dirty, and unlovable, and you don't believe that you have anything to offer, that you're simply unworthy and no one could ever love you. If you are human, you have some history with shame. And it only gets worse as you get older. And different people respond differently. Some spend all their time trying to convince everyone that, of how good they are. Like the Pharisee in the parable, they announce all their accomplishments, hoping that, that if others believe it, that maybe one day they will too. Some volunteer for service. They throw themselves into helping others. 
They, they think that if they just pour out what's left of their life, they can make up for the wrongs they've done. Some grow bitter and they treat others badly. Unable to feel loved, they are unequally, uh, equally unable to show love. Others try to drown their shame in indulgence, drugs, alcohol, pleasure, material possessions. Or there's the temptation to surround yourself with friends who wantonly indulge in every shameful pleasure, hoping that your shame will be cloaked in the shame of others. And then there's always the oldest temptation. Run, hide, and isolate. I think that's what's going on with Zacchaeus as he heads up that tree. I know it's translated sycamore tree, but that's just because that's what the Greek word sounds like. It's actually a type of fig tree. It had big, broad leaves. And, and it was perfect. Because climbing up it meant that, that Zacchaeus could see Jesus, but be virtually invisible, hiding behind those big fig leaves. He could see, but not be seen. Exactly what everyone who has ever experienced shame longs for. The echoes to Adam and Eve running and hiding from the Lord are intentional. You're supposed to think of that day when when they rebelled and and ate the forbidden fruit, the fruit they were told not to eat, and they, they heard the terrifying sound of the Lord God coming to them. And they knew they were naked, covered only in shame, and they ran and they hid behind fig leaves. Well, his camouflage was not as good as Zacchaeus thought it would be. It never is. And as Jesus came near, we're told that he looked up and called Zacchaeus by name. And there's an importance to the order here. He comes, then looks up. He does not look up, see Zacchaeus, and then stop. He's looking for Zacchaeus. He's seeking him out. And can you imagine how Zacchaeus must have felt? He sees me, and he knows my name. This can't be good. What's next? I'm discovered. I'm found out. I'm laid bare. It was the last thing he ever expected to hear. Zacchaeus Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. We've talked about it before. But entering into someone's house in the ancient world meant something. Sharing a meal, fellowshipping, meant that you were friends. Jesus inviting himself into Zacchaeus' house is an act of befriending. Jesus is there to make peace. Can you, can, can you conceive of the joy and the relief he must have felt at that moment? The, the one that no one wants is, is being sought after by the miracle worker of Nazareth. The one everyone wants to talk to wants to come to my house. And, and Zacchaeus knows he did nothing to cause this. He didn't seek Jesus out. Jesus sought him out. 
Jesus pursued him. Jesus wants to share a meal with the chief tax collector. The one most people go out of their way to avoid. And elated, filled with joy, Zacchaeus hurries down from the tree and he takes Jesus into his home. That's Zacchaeus' response. But the crowd um, was less enthusiastic. They grumbled. They grew angry. And they resented Jesus for befriending a sinner. What is it that makes people respond that way? It's that they think they're better. They think he should be coming to their homes, not this, this, this tax collector, this, this sinner. They're angry because Jesus spends his time with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, And when he chooses them over the self-righteous, those who think that they're better, he's saying that, that their righteousness isn't enough. He's saying that, that more is needed. What they have isn't sufficient. That his eyes see their sin, their shame, everything they have worked so hard to hide. And so they lash out. They, they try to make themselves feel better. They accuse Jesus of being the one with the problem. After all, he enters the homes of sinners. <laughs> but that shouldn't be a surprise. They're in Jericho, for goodness sake. The last time God rolled into town, do you remember where his people stayed? with Rahab, the prostitute, who then became the great-grandmother of David, the ancestress of our Lord. They should not be surprised, but they were. As for Zacchaeus, he becomes like a child. He lets go of everything. He promises to give five times the required amount for the poor. He promises four times the the legal requirement for restitution to those he's defrauded. He's no longer trying to cover his shame with his riches. He's no longer enslaved to his wealth. He's been set free. He's a new man. He's a new creation. And he's placed his faith in Jesus and that faith has been counted to him as righteousness. That's the history of God's people. They trace their lineage back to Abraham, whom God called a friend. Abraham didn't have a righteousness of his own. He was was out sinning when God sought him out, called him out from among the Urs and the Chaldeans. He was a sinner with his own shame. But he believed God and we're told his faith was counted to him as righteousness as if he were righteous, as if he had no sin and no shame. And like Abraham, Zacchaeus surrenders himself to his God 
and in return his shame is removed and he is counted as righteous. Because Jesus gives Zacchaeus his own righteousness. Every right thing Jesus ever done, it's as if Zacchaeus has done it. And for the first time in his life, his name represents who God sees him to be. Zacchaeus has found salvation. His sins have been forgiven and his shame has been covered. And Jesus says that's why he came. He came to seek and to save the lost. It could be no other way because because Jesus is the God of Israel and this is how God has always acted. When Adam and Eve ran, when they hid behind fig leaves, the Lord came and he called to them. He wasn't there for an evening stroll, shocked to find sin in his garden. He wasn't caught off guard. He knew exactly what they had done, and he had come to deal with it. And as he approached, he called out. He sought after them. He came to seek and to save what was lost, and yet there was an impediment. Because their shame was real. Their sin was was serious. And the wages of sin is death. Someone or something had to die. And so we're told that God slaughtered an animal. And he took their skins. And he covered Adam and Eve's shame in the death of another. This episode with Zacchaeus has so many echoes to that day in the garden with Adam and Eve. And Jesus behaves just like he has always behaved, like he did when he sought after Adam and Eve. Zacchaeus even calls him Lord, as Genesis 3 says, the Lord God came. And and so we ask, where's the sacrifice for Zacchaeus? He, He slaughtered an animal for Adam and Eve. Where's the sacrifice for Zacchaeus? How will Jesus cover his shame? Well, it won't be long until before we find out. Jesus called Zacchaeus down out of a tree, knowing full well that in order to save him, he himself would have to go up a tree and become the sacrifice. Because Zacchaeus' sin was real, and the wages of sin is death, and someone had to die. That's how Jesus removed Zacchaeus' shame and sin. He bore it on the cross in his place. And that's good news for you and me. Because if you feel like Zacchaeus, unworthy, unwanted, and unlovable, then there's hope. Jesus knows your shame and the feelings of unworthiness that you feel and he seeks you out anyway. That's why he came, to seek and to save the lost. And just as he invited himself into Zacchaeus' house to share a meal, he now invites you to his table to share a meal. Because Jesus still eats with sinners. That's why he came. That's who he is. Praise God, because that is good news. It is the best news 
you will ever hear. And so I'd like to ask our elders to come forward that we might receive uh, this meal this morning. Merciful Savior, you are good, so good. You know us, you know everything about us, everything we think we can hide, deny, cover up, ignore, you know it all, and still you seek us. That's why you came, to seek and to save people like us. We thank you that there's room for sinners like us at your table, that you took our shame and bore it on the cross so that we might be as white as snow. Teach us to receive your grace with gratitude and to tell others where we found mercy, grace, and forgiveness. We pray that you would use our church as a light in the darkness, as a beacon of hope for sinners. Use it in your mission of seeking and saving the lost, we pray. Amen.